You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to episode eight of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Glad to have each and every one of you joining us here today. Uh, as always, we go around the table, introduce the folks we got with us. Angie Brenneman, our pastor of uh, family ministry. Chris Knight, lead pastor. Hi, Chris. He's here and present. And our guest, which we're so glad to have with us, uh, Mr. David Hills. Uh, David serves as the executive director of the Michiana Biblical Counseling Center. Uh, David, thanks for sitting at the table with us today. Glad to have you with us. Good to be here. Yeah, we've uh, continued on in our normal format. Uh, David shared with us uh, our congregation this past Sunday. Uh, did a fantastic present, uh, presentation on the topic of forgiveness. And uh, from the feedback that we have gotten, I mean, it really hit home with so many uh, so many of our folks. And I, I really thank our listening audience uh, because really there's not been a time in one's life where forgiveness or the topic of forgiveness has not, it's touched all of us in one way or another, either the extending of it or, or the receiving of it or maybe the absence of it uh, in some cases. And so, um, as always, a really important practical topic, a very meaningful topic to discuss. So um, I just a little bit of, uh, I guess, background, David, or if you could, we'll, we like to do every episode uh, with a kind of the 30,000-foot flyover of thinking back on what you discussed on Sunday, kind of the big takeaway uh, that you would hope people would walk away with from your discussion on Sunday, if you kind of just summarize uh, that for us, what would it what would it be? It would probably start with this: uh, um, biblical forgiveness is a must-have to have healthy relationships. If we want to have healthy relationships with people, we have to do the hard work of biblical relationships, uh, of biblical forgiveness. But then we went on why it's so often missing and talked about a whole lot of reasons why it's missing. But the most important thing we talked about is why it must be present. Yeah. And the reason why it must be present is God has commanded that we do it, and he does it because he loves restored relationships. And without the hard work of biblical forgiveness, we can't enjoy that kind of of healthy relationship, restored relationship that God desires. Absolutely. And uh, for all of you, all of those of you who are listening now, um, as always, we make our each and every Sunday session uh, available for each of our speakers. So that's been released. Uh, it's available on our website over at walkiemc.org, along with our uh, podcast formats, which hopefully you're listening to, uh, listening to one of those as well. So uh, if you want to check out Sunday session with David Hills, we just would really recommend that you do that. Gives you even a further context for what we are talking about today. So without further ado, Angie, as always, we have folks that submit while they're, while they're hearing David's presentation and, and the, all the light bulbs are going off. They're submitting questions to us. They're texting them in, which has been a really, I just a really cool format to receive those in. Um, we've got some, Yet again, some really great questions about the topic of forgiveness that were submitted. So why don't you just start us off with the first one uh, as we get going here today? Yes. Well, I want to um, reference what you said yesterday, which um, in any relationship, you have two sinners interacting in a fallen world. 
So let's bring that into this idea of biblical forgiveness. And one of the questions that came out of this is, can you have and act out biblical forgiveness if the other person is not a follower of Christ? And I'll probably say this about every single question. That's a really good question. (laughs) Um, But the truth of the matter is uh, we can live out our part of the transaction, whether the other person is a believer or not. Um, God has commanded that when we've offended someone, we must go to them and we must seek to make it right. So it is possible for us and it's commanded for us. If we've sinned against someone, we need to make things right. Matthew 5, 23, 24 says, if you're at the altar offering a gift and believe, and realize that your brother has something against you, go, leave your gift at the altar, make things right, then come back and offer your gift. So we can do that. Now, can they live out the biblical commands um, to respond appropriately to our request for forgiveness? To a certain extent, they can, but not for the right reason, not for the purpose of glorifying God, because God has commanded it. Um, But yeah, they can live out those relational things, even if they're not a believer. Because I think it ties to what we talked about in Romans 12, in um, Romans twelve eighteen, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we have to do the work. Am I saying this um, and understanding this right, David, that we have to do the work as a believer, no matter who's on the other side of our forgiveness, that we have to do the hard work and and actually make this a possibility, a prayer, that if this person that we um, have had this hard um, encounter with or a relationship issue, that they would come to this understanding of the repentance of um, asking God for forgiveness and ourselves, and we'd have that gift ready. Am I, am I getting this concept correctly? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it should be— the the eagerness to restore the relationship, to have it back where it could be, and to do everything that is in your power. At NBCC, we often talk about a concept called concerns and responsibilities. And concerns, responsibilities basically says you look at a situation and you evaluate, is this a concern of mine that God hasn't given me the responsibility to do, or is it an actual biblical responsibility God has given me to do? And if you realize, yeah, this is something I need to do, God has commanded me to make things right, do everything as much as possible, as far as it depends on me, to live at peace, then I pursue that, and what's out of my control, which is a concern, that's how they respond to me. I don't do it for how they respond to me. I do it because I love my God and I want to obey him. And he's given me commands to follow. And if I follow those, the opportunity is there for restored relationship to take place. And that's what God wants more than anything. I, I often wonder, David, if, if sometimes our questions about off asking for forgiveness or entering into a, a forgiveness conversation with another person, our, our fears so often, it seems, revolve around the idea of how that person is going to respond to me. Am I going to get the response back that I am hoping for? And and I think sometimes if we're having a disagreement with someone who's a non-believer, who doesn't maybe share the same framework of understanding or, or, or doesn't, that we're worried about like, well, gosh, do they even have, do they have the the tools to respond in the way that I would hope that they would respond? What I hear you saying is that actually doesn't really matter in terms of how we're how we're having a conversation about 
in as much as it depends on you, the believer, and what God has called you to do, you act this way regardless. Like there, there's not a the other person's uh, participation in this is not the key to whether or not you do it or not, or whether or not you follow through. Absolutely. Oftentimes in our at Michiana Biblical Counseling Center, we talk about creating an environment where it's going to be easy for the other person to do the right thing. So we, in our obedience to God, we create an environment which makes it as conducive as possible for them to do the things that are going to be beneficial. But we can't just yank them by the collar and say, you're going to do the right thing. Uh, You just simply obey God and leave the results in his hands. Absolutely. I think that is um, good to say that sometimes obedience is the key move of the believer and everything else is left in God's hands. And oftentimes we want to control the, the next move of the, you know, the chess play and what relationship comes out, but actually that's in God's hands. Our um, call here, and I think you've laid it out very well, that relationships um, that uh, produce situations where forgiveness is needed, biblical forgiveness is required. And we have to live in that. So let's talk a little bit more about another question that kind of builds on this. So um, uh, when we engage in this process of forgiveness, reconciliation and restoration, let's talk about the difference between reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness. Could we kind of hammer that out just a little bit? Let's see. Reconciliation, restoration and forgive. Clarify that for me. Yes. Well, uh, what's the difference between a reconciliation and forgiveness? Are you saying sometimes that we um, don't, we're not always promised reconciliation and restoration when we ask or um, go through the um, transaction of biblical forgiveness? The truth of the matter is that if both parties follow what God has commanded them to do, reconciliation will be a part of it. Um, that the if a person is sought forgiveness and it's been granted by the other person, it opens the door for that relationship to be restored. Um, now, does it happen immediately where the relationship is exactly where it used to be? No, it's a building process, but it starts the process that there's nothing between you and me that keeps us from being able to move forward. If that process doesn't take place, then maybe the seeking of forgiveness or granting of forgiveness wasn't sincere from the heart, because if both people are truly motivated to restore the relationship, they will do those things that then lead toward that relationship being restored. Now, there are some cases we talked about yesterday. Uh, One example was if someone has been raped, Forgiveness may be sought and forgiveness will, uh, may be granted, but that doesn't mean that they'll have an ongoing relationship with each other. But the only reason the relationship isn't continued is because it's not really appropriate. It's not necessary. Um, there, many cases, wasn't a relationship beforehand. Um, but it's just basically saying there's nothing between me and you that would keep us from having the relationship that God would want us to have. Um, is it necessary, as you've seen in um, your counseling, to deal with that pain, the kind of um, the, the, the baggage that comes? Is that necessary 
um, when you get uh, make this transaction of uh, forgiveness before uh, restoration and and is there a process that you guys go through at the counseling office? So I think if I'm hearing you right, you're talking about just the person who's being asked for forgiveness. They're being asked for forgiveness for something that caused them deep hurt. And that's pretty much in any situation that requires forgiveness, that deep hurt has taken place. And I would say uh, the question, I think, is when does that pain get dealt with? Is it before granting forgiveness? Is it while granting forgiveness? Is it after granting forgiveness? And to all three, I would say yes. Um, you have to deal with that pain to be in a position where you'd be well uh, able to say, yes, God, I've experienced this pain and I am in a position to do as you've commanded and I'm going to forgive and in the process of a person seeking forgiveness, that's often incredibly beneficial for easing the pain because part of the pain is they've never acknowledged what they did to me. And that brings great comfort, great peace. So during the process, the transaction of forgiveness, some of that pain is addressed, but then it needs to be addressed after the forgiveness has been granted as well. Yesterday I mentioned um, in many times in infidelity – uh, people I've worked with, a wife will say, yeah, I forgave him, but this is the anniversary of when it happened. And it's a really rough day for me. And with tears in her eyes, she says, I've forgiven him, but this is just a really bad day. What do I do? I said, call up your husband, tell him I'm, I'm just having a really bad day. I'm really struggling. I've forgiven you. I'm not bringing this up to your harm but I just need your comfort. Could you just reassure me of your love for me? That kind of thing. I want to go just a little bit further there, David. Uh, every one of us sitting around this table have people in our offices that share some very deep hurts. You just mentioned infidelity. You mentioned things like that. The old adage, and you said this very well yesterday, but the old adage, uh, forgive and forget. Uh, we've been talking reconciliation, but you just brought up an anniversary of this thing. Talk to us a little bit about this this understanding of should we get to the point where we forget it all, or is it simply being able to forgive and move forward? Help help me understand this a little bit more. Because is, I think I think to the listener, that may be one of the biggest things we have to to address here is how in the world do I get beyond this? I can't stop forgetting about it. I think I've forgiven. I just can't I can't get it out of my mind. Now, that can't get it out of my mind. Um, that can say that there's a problem because I'm dwelling on it. But if it, it's keeping on coming to my mind, it then becomes what do I do when it comes to my mind? And I think it is encouraging and important to say that there is no scriptural command to forget. There's, there's just – it's not there. And many people say, but how about um, in – Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake. I remember your sins no more. And then in Jeremiah 31, 24, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Doesn't that mean that God forgot? And if we're going to be like God, we need to forget. God doesn't forget. But he chooses to say to us, I don't hold your sins against you anymore. When I look at you, I don't think of your sins as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed 
your transgressions from you. That's the attitude that we need to have. So we're not commanded to forget, and in some cases it's not possible to forget. For instance, if I was paralyzed because of the actions of someone, every day I'm reminded that I'm paralyzed and I know how that happened, and I have to constantly, in that situation, if I've forgiven the person, I need to remind myself, yeah, we've had a transaction. I've forgiven them. The consequences are painful for me, for them, but um, I can't forget it, but I have forgiven them, and I will never use it against them anymore. Yeah, I I think uh, a friend of mine years and years ago, uh, driving along, got distracted, blew a four-way, you know, stop sign, and ended ended a young man's life, and this young man had a family, and um, now you want to talk about a a story of reconciliation and what came out of that. I mean, just some really, really beautiful things. But to your point, you know, every day they're without their, they're without their loved one, right? Like that, that continues on. And so what I, in that particular situation, what I was so impressed with was the intentionality of, of taking on a posture of life of forgiveness where it's day by day, they choose to, to stay reconciled, to to stay in to stay in that place, and and to say that you know ultimately, I mean, the, really the story was we believe we believe as Christ is bigger than than this that he is that he is able, um, but that required a daily kind of a daily because I have to believe that that family at various times you know the holiday season or birthdays whatever when that comes back up in a strong way i have to believe they are tempted to go to dark places mm-hmm. with that memory i have to believe that that is always you know sitting in front of them and instead so it's like you have that option the way of the way of darkness basically to to fall out of forgiveness basically um or or to continue on to take a posture and a kind of a discipline of of forgiveness um cuz i it's not a, it just often is not a one and done situation. I mean, I, I, and I'm almost sometimes where I'm like, when people are just like, yeah, yeah, I forgave them moving, moving on. I'm like, Hmm, I feel, <laughs> I feel like this might come back around you know, right. <laughs> eventually, you know? And I think that's the, uh, as with so many things in our walk with Christ, there is, there are moments of decision and then there are moments of continuing on in that decision and reaffirming by how we're living and and some of the disciplines that we're entering into. Does that make sense, David? Oh, absolutely. And as you're talking, Joel, I was just thinking of Philippians 2.12, where it says, it's totally different, but it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's you're saved, and as a saved person, you should be different. And each day you need to work that out in the same way we have to work out the forgiveness that we've already granted. It's like, yeah, this isn't the one and done. Like you said, I said, I "I forgive you, and it's done. I don't think about it. It's gone. No, I have to apply it each and every time that that comes to my mind. I have to keep reminding myself that just as God— has remembers my sin no more as far as east is from west. That's what I need to be willing to do to this person that I've granted forgiveness to. I want to build on this just a little bit because yesterday you talked about this concept that what will forgiveness cost me? And I think this is like the next step of what this kind of discussion is that we know that there's going to be times where we can't forget things. And there's going to be times where we have to lean into what we've um, had this transaction with, that we've allowed God to, um, to begin to uh, heal our hearts 
and um, work in that. But there's a cost to this. Talk to us a little bit about what you talked about yesterday. Okay. And yesterday, the specific verse I believe I mentioned then was uh, Luke nine twenty three, where Jesus didn't soft sell the gospel. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's incredibly costly, but at the same time, as a believer, we need to understand that that incredible cost has incredible rewards. It's costly to follow that path, but it's also the best path to follow. But yeah, it means denying yourself, saying no to the things that you might want to do. I want to get revenge. I want to make them pay. I want them to hurt just as badly as I've been hurt, those kind of things. Um, and one of the biggest things on both sides of forgiveness, the cost of humility. And we don't tend to do humility very well. Um, I, I don't know if it's just an American thing. I don't think it is. <laughs> I, um, but, yeah, it, I, we've got that idea that, um, yeah, I can't, I can't bring myself down in front of another person and uh, – uh, Jesus would say that's the greatest place to be. When you're humble, you're exactly where I want you to be. But that's costly. Yeah. That's costly. I think the one of the last points you said, too, was that forgiveness is a commitment. And I think that costs us sometimes, too, in our own desires, our own way of doing things. We have to stay committed to the whole process. Yeah. And one of the costs is even from other people. How can you forgive him? How can you forgive him? After he did that, that happens in family dynamics all the time. Uh, why are you letting him come back into your life after what he's done to you? And, and David, I really, uh, I really am interested about the dynamic of uh, of revenge uh, specifically in all of this because um, you know the way you po- the way you said it and i think this is what the person that has experienced the offense that desires revenge or desires things to be made right or even or equal says to themselves it's usually i want that person to feel exactly what i felt which is an interesting i mean if, if we just sort of back up from that a little bit like that is an interesting human phenomenon i think the, that desire for the other person to know your pain i that's Number one, interesting observation that I would have. Uh, number two, in my experience, the desire for revenge is actually never a desire for things to be equal. It's always a desire for the offended person to exact revenge on a person that goes beyond the pain. So that goes beyond the pain that they themselves have experienced. So that there's not a power because we have an hour power differential that comes in comes into play. What is interesting to me about about biblical forgiveness is that it it really does seek to honestly level the playing field bef- between both parties, where there there's not a power dynamic actually at play at all in any of it. It is a no. We're we're seeking the third party that is that is Christ and His example. Uh, and by the way, what that forgiveness looks like is that the that the wronged party dies to themselves and makes forgiveness available between between the two parties like you know so it's interest i think it's just an interesting dynamic you, there's there's a 
there's what's claimed is that there's a desire for equality in offense, but that's actually never really the case. Like, cause, and then how do you even judge that? Right. How do you even like keep tally? Cause then we're in this tally keeping thing of like, well, okay, you did X, Y, and Z and you did X, Y, and Z. Can we agree that now we're both equal? Like I, I don't ever see that actually playing, playing out. I don't, I don't know what, what you experienced. And even if it did pay off, it's basically, I want to sin against them to the same degree that they sinned against <laughs> yes, me. Right. And God is saying, wait, 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 uh, you're here for me. Right. <laughs> you're here for me, and I've called you. And the thing is, um, as you were talking about that, I started to think that we should want them to feel the same way we do from the standpoint of I want them to understand forgiveness from me just as I've experienced forgiveness from my God. Yeah. Um, hadn't really thought about that until just right now, but that's an incredible thought. I want them to experience the same forgiveness that I've experienced. So it's essentially setting aside the, yeah, the revenge where I want to sin against them and have them experience the nastiness of sin from me just like I did from them, replacing that with I want them to experience the forgiveness from me that I've experienced from my holy God. That such a great exchange. Yeah. And I think in, in our world today, when that actually plays itself out, it is so disruptive to people's expectations about how, how this is going to go on. I, I think back to a few years ago where uh, you had the, uh, the Amish community that was, you know, where there, where there's a gunman that comes into school and takes the lives in, of, of innocent people, clearly innocent people. And, the way that community responded, it drew national attention because everybody's like, they did what? They they forgave. They went and they went and ministered to the family of 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 this mm-hmm. guy. Like it, it, it is when the kingdom of God interrupts the, this the normal the normal way of doing things. I, I think people don't have an explanation for it apart from apart from God working. And I think in any reconciliation, uh, in any forgiveness scenario, any reconciliation, we have an opportunity actually to demonstrate something supernatural, something Absolutely. that's something that's beyond what we're what we're capable. Because boy, oh boy, I, Joel is not capable of mustering up the kind of forgiveness, uh, you know, that that God calls me to. Really, ultimately, it it has to be something beyond our beyond ourselves. And when that happens, and we can do that faithfully. Maybe point people to Jesus, and that's you know that's the point. I I, I hope. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think this all ties back to what we've talked about in this whole entire series, is that we have to understand and know who God is and His character, and how we live that out in our lives has a big impact on how we view God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this a whole idea of forgiveness is what you said. We have to live with the realization of that forgiveness in our own lives to actually have a supernatural understanding of this earth being able to forgive somebody that has hurt us so bad and yet not want that revenge Absolutely. and not want that you know pain on them. That's something that's not of this world. Right. It only comes from our Father in heaven. And so I just, uh, as I was sitting here and I just thinking through this, and we brought this up in a, in our, um, one of our first seminars on mental health. And it was the A.W. Tozer quote that says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I think it ties it right back to forgiveness and how we think about God and what he's done for us and how we offer that to other people. Yeah. Yeah. 
one of some one of the most difficult I think particularly if we're talking about people within faith community one of the most difficult people to deal to deal with or to have relationship with is a fellow Christian who is not extending forgiveness like you're trying to enter into a forgiveness and and they're just they're they're kind of closed off from it. Is this hypothetical? Hypothetical? <laughs> <laughs> Does this happen? Yeah, I'm not aware of this. Yeah, we don't live in this of? world at all. What is this you speak of? And when you're and you're like, when you think you're coming in on the same terms, when you think you're coming in on a on a faith based uh, faith based playing field, and what I have often wondered so many times is is that okay. Ultimately, my understanding of forgiveness and my ability to extend forgiveness really is rooted in me understanding what Christ has done for me, first first and foremost. Mm -hmm. That is the well from which I am pulling. When someone is struggling with forgiveness or to extend it or to, you know, if I'm saying to a person, man, I'm sorry, and they're not able to receive that back, I think one of the things that can be helpful to consider is – okay, their understanding of what Christ has done in their life might be different than your own. There, there, there honestly could be a disconnect there. Um, and, and I say that more to offer, to offer grace and to offer, to offer some mercy into that conversation. Um, because if you have grown up with sort of a spiritually entitled posture in your life of like, well, I'm saved because I, you know, I prayed the prayer and I'm in and I'm, and I'm good. Uh, and so, you know, moving on now. Um, if that is the sum total of kind of your understanding of God's transforming work in your life and what he has done for you, um, I don't know how you would really honestly enter into a forgiveness conver- conversation, right? Because ultimately it's a, I was sort of entitled this forgiveness that was given to me because I, whatever, prayed the prayer writer or whatever the case might be, as opposed to going through life on a daily like, man, apart from Christ, I am in deep. I am in deep trouble. I am lost, and that was a gift that was given to me apart from anything that I earned. And so, if I'm living in that kind of reality as a daily daily reflection, then of course forgiveness, and of course I should extend forgiveness because why would I not? Like it, it, it just to, to me, I, I get I do get concerned for folks when when it's a situation of you call yourself a Christian, which means that you have opened your life up to the forgiveness of Christ that makes everything else possible, but then you hold on to that somehow or you you shortcut it and and it doesn't go beyond you. So you kind of like hoard for you like you're a forgiveness hoarder, you know, kind of thing where you just yeah. it stays there. I just I I wonder how we get there and I wonder how we get unlocked from that place uh, as well, David. I, I'm, and I'm sure I'm sure in the many conversations you've had you've run into you've run into this scenario. Yeah. My desire for a person in that situation is spelled out by what you just said. If if they don't truly understand what God has given to them, either he hasn't given it to them or they just don't grasp it. But that might be where it needs to start with the parable of the unmerciful servant in um, Matthew chapter 18, where a person who'd been forgiven, as we talked about yesterday, something the equivalent of 200,000 years of wages, and then he turns around and chokes someone who owes him three months of wages. The whole point of that story is 
if you've truly been forgiven by God, you've been forgiven a massive debt. And for you not to, for you not to be willing to forgive, uh, either you don't truly understand that massive debt or you haven't been forgiven. Um, so I think it's educating them on, you know, when we sin against our God, we talked about yesterday, I might sin against God every hour, every minute. <laughs> uh, the number of things as you look through Scripture, the number of violations of our God are so many. And to realize um, that we might sin against God dozens of times in the matter of hours, and yet we will not speak to someone for years because on one occasion they sinned against us. Uh, so I think we need to just graciously, kindly educate those people. Um, now, it's not necessarily the person who's sinned against them that's in the best position to do that educating. That's for people, <laughs> wonderful people like Chris and yourself Joel and myself <laughs> and, and you, Angie, yeah. who, who have to encourage people, hey, let me just talk to you about your unwillingness to forgive. Um, do you realize what God has done for you and what your failure to forgive communicates about that understanding? Yeah, and that's part of discipleship. So there was a question asked uh, that was submitted that really has a lot to deal with sequencing, and I, I want to draw your attention to it. Uh, it says, what if deep, deep pain is involved in giving forgiveness? Is it flippant to forgive without dealing with the pain or does the pain need to be dealt with before the forgiveness? And so really it's a question of sequence. And and I think it's an excellent question. Somebody might say, David, uh, how many sessions do I have to go to uh, prior to forgiving because I haven't dealt with the pain yet? Uh, talk to us a little bit about the sequence. Man, I feel great pain, but wh- which comes first, chicken or the egg, forgiveness or dealing with the pain? And we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um it's, it's before, during, and after. Um, the command of Scripture doesn't wait for our feelings to follow. He says in Luke chapter 17, it says, when are we supposed to give? If the person repents, you must forgive. There's no waiting time. I have to contemplate that. Now, there may be a thing where there could be a challenge. Hey, can we talk about it? There's just some things that I don't, I really need to understand the sincerity of where you're coming from, that you truly understand. But the bottom line is this. God has called us to command. uh, He's commanded us to forgive if someone is repented. So dealing with the pain, uh, like I said earlier, you deal with pain as you're thinking through, am I willing to forgive this person? If they should ever seek my forgiveness— would I be willing to forgive them? And you deal with the pain through that standpoint. It's like God's command supersedes my pain and how I'm feeling. So I have to put those feelings in God's hand again to the cost we talked about earlier. That's a cost. I have to set that pain aside and say obedience to my God is more important. And as I said earlier, and in the process, if they're asking forgiveness, Many times people have tears in their eyes when someone comes to them and says, please forgive me, because they've been waiting for it for years or months or days. I've been waiting for that to happen, 
and they sincerely are asking me for forgiveness, that relieves a lot of pain. They realize what they've done. Kind of a stupid example of this was I missed an appointment last week because I just totally spaced it off, which was irresponsible. And I called the person and I asked their forgiveness and apologized. I said, I have no excuses. I, I just didn't put on on my calendar and I failed you. And that person forgave me and then said, thank you. Thank you. That was really, really important that you call me. They didn't say, no big deal. I said, yeah, this hurt. And you calling helped address that. Um, and then after uh, we've talked about that, uh, dealing with the pain, the pain will come in waves. And each time that pain comes, say, God, I want to deal with this pain in a way that honors you. And so um, I don't think it's chicken and an egg. It's it's before, during, and after forgiveness. We have to deal with that pain because offenses against us, they hurt. There's never forgiveness needed when there wasn't pain involved. So it's definitely a both and. Yes. It's a now and continue on. And um, David, I want to kind of... Uh uh, step back just a second. As you say, it's both and. One of the things you said yesterday was biblical forgiveness doesn't often take place because it hasn't been modeled, hasn't been taught, and really we don't understand it. And so now that we have this understanding, there was something that you mentioned yesterday that maybe um, we've thought of biblical forgiveness being. And now with a new understanding and a new awareness of um, of forgiveness, this whole idea of therapeutic forgiveness and how, in a way, it's um, not exactly it's it is not God's design. Talk to us a little bit about this. Okay, and the idea of therapeutic con- uh, forgiveness. Um, I first got it from a friend of mine, Chris Bronce. A little plug for his book, Unpacking Forgiveness, by Chris Bronce, one of the best books on the subject. And uh, Joel, as you were talking about an example of forgiveness, he gives all kinds of incredible examples of forgiveness in his book, where it's those kind of things where, wow, <laughs> they were reconciled in those circumstances. That's just kind of, kind of an aside, um, plugging that book. But therapeutic forgiveness is the idea that for my sake, so that I can feel good about myself and I can feel good, period, I forgive them even though they haven't sought my forgiveness. And um, God never intended forgiveness to be that. He intended for it to be a transaction where we grant, we give the gift of forgiveness to someone with the goal of the relationship being restored. And therapeutic forgiveness doesn't seek to restore relationships it makes the individual try to feel better in the circumstance they're in, but it doesn't address the relationship in any way. Um, so that's therapeutic forgiveness. And why do we do that? It's easier. We don't have to deal with a person who may reject us. We don't have to humble ourselves and say, either please forgive me or, or I forgive you. Um, it, it's it's. It's not as painful to go that direction. And as we talked about yesterday, it hasn't been modeled or taught um, in many different ways. And so because it hasn't been modeled and taught, we've adopted what the world without Christ would say is a solution. 
And that would be, it's not about relationships. It's about feeling good and doing what will make you feel better. Um, and so now there are aspects of therapeutic forgiveness, some concepts that are very important. I need to deal with like the pain that I've experienced and all those things. And I need to be prepared to forgive that person. I can't live in bitter land. That's not going to help me. It's not going to help anybody else. But I should long for the opportunity to give that expensive gift of forgiveness to someone, and I pray for it. I position myself for it. I may have conversations with the other person that encourages it, but I'm always looking for that opportunity to give that gift, but I can't until I have that interaction with the other person. And one other thing about therapeutic forgiveness, it doesn't help the other person address their sin. I want them restored with God, too, not just with me. <laughs> and that sin is isolating them from their God. It's hindering their relationship. And so why would I not want to help them to see their sin so they could, not, they could be made right, not just with me, but with their holy God? I think this is really a key, a key point in discipleship. It, this is how we not only walk um, like Jesus, but we walk it out in relationships, in its work. This is work. This is something you have to choose to do. And like you said many times, it's a transaction. You make this effort. You put this um, important thing, this transaction out in front of your uh, pride, of your own feelings, of your own, and you do it in obedience to Christ because he did it for you. So one of the things you gave us yesterday was a nice, um, I would say, uh, piece of gold for those that want to know what are the steps to granting and seeking forgiveness. And so one of the things you've mentioned is um, there's just some steps to go down, and it kind of is based on Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You want to just kind of um, give us a little bit of an overview of what this, um, that's on our website, and it's available for those that want to um, to grab it. Make sure you look at this, by the way. That was a piece of gold. I, I, honestly, there are some things on there that I might actually put on my wall in my office just as a reminder of the truth of forgiveness, granting forgiveness. Awesome. Well, there's two parts to it. It's essentially instructions for the one seeking forgiveness and then instructions for the one who is granting forgiveness. It's important to start with the one seeking forgiveness because If the person seeking forgiveness doesn't do it with sincerity, with the right heart, it puts the other person, again, it creates an environment where it's really hard for the person to actually grant forgiveness. But the five steps that I mentioned were the first thing you need to do is that you need to acknowledge that you've sinned against the other, the person you've offended. You let them know I'm aware, painfully aware that I've sinned against you. And then the second step is to identify specific sins by their biblical name. And the reason for that is, um, first of all, you need to be upfront and honest with the person so that they understand. You get it. You know where you violated. And it also helps you, as you're seeking forgiveness, to be able to say, before my God, who I'm accountable to more than this other person even, this is how I've sinned. After identifying the specific sins by their biblical name, acknowledge the harm your offense has caused. And related to the pain you were talking about earlier, Chris, it acknowledges that pain, and that helps. Where you acknowledge 
the person isn't one. Do they really know how much they hurt me? As you acknowledge the harm you caused, you acknowledge that pain, and that's beneficial for the sake of the other person. And then fourth, identify alternative biblical behaviors to demonstrate your repentance. It's not just, hey, I'm, please forgive me. I, I sinned against you in this way, this way, this way, this way. Will you please forgive me? They're wondering, well, are they planning to change anything? So in that, let the person know that you've thought about a more biblical approach than the one you used, which you're now asking forgiveness for. And once you've followed those four steps, then you're in a position to humbly and sincerely say, will you forgive me? And as we talked about earlier, you may at that point be met by blank stare, silence, no, (laughs) Um, but that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to seek forgiveness as God has instructed you to do. And then that puts a big decision on the part of the person that's being sought forgiveness from. They need to decide, am I going to grant forgiveness? And I made a pretty bold statement, I believe, yesterday by saying, um, or at least in the notes, it says, bluntly spoken, the choice is to obey God and forgive or disobey God and withhold forgiveness. Uh, So it's really not much of a choice. Uh, Do what God says and obey him or walk the other way from God, and then you are a person who needs to seek forgiveness. But we talked about in granting forgiveness, and this, I believe, is what Chris considered to be the wall-mountable type of information for the office, and that's the three promises of a forgiver. I will not dwell on what you have done and how it has impacted me. As I grant forgiveness, I'm saying, I'm not going to dwell on this anymore. I'm not going to allow myself to be dragged down and consumed by the thing that's happened. It's forgiven. I will not bring up what you've done to use it against you. I'm not going to do it with you. I'm not going to do it with others. And this is an important one. Any mention of the past offense will be for the purpose of helping the relationship. Last night or yesterday morning in our session, I just mentioned an example. A wife might say, after a husband has been unfaithful, I'd rather you not go on that business trip. Um, uh, That was a business trip where you had struggles, or at least I'd like to go with you. It is bringing up the thing that had happened, but it's not to use it against him. It's to help the person, to help their relationship. If we don't deal with this, I think we might have some more problems in our relationship. So I'm bringing this up for the good of you and me. Um, And then the final promise is, I will not let what you have done stand between us or hinder the relationship. In other words, I want our relationship to grow, and I don't hold this against you. I'm not going to hold you off at arm's length because what you've done, I'm, I'm open to it. You know, I think, I mean, first of all, highly, highly helpful. And I, I get it. That's, that is the gold nugget of uh, that's a good walk away. <clears throat> Cause I think all of us need to have those things in front of us regularly, whether we recognize it or not, we're, we're, we're in situations where either at a major level or, or smaller levels, we're in forgive. We're in, you know, offender offense, uh, forgive forgiveness, uh, um, conversations on a regular, regularly, uh, in small and small and big ways. And, you know, I even think Chris and Angie, I think about even recently when we're, uh, 
when we're even looking to bring people here on this team uh, for, for our, on our staff here, one of the conversations that we have in the hiring process is, is there anybody, either previous employer or other relationships, that you're sideways with right now where there needs to be a, a conversation of, of forgiveness? Because we recognize that um, a good a good display of forgiveness, especially with us as leaders, it, we, we've got to we've got to model it. We've got we've got to be showing those things. And on top yeah. of that, you know, my hope would be that we would not be bringing any a, a spirit of unforgiveness into a community that is trying that is trying to model forgiveness that 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 wouldn't go un, unaddressed. And we're not asking those questions to be judgmental. We're asking those for the again for the just as you said the well being of all people. To the greatest extent that it is a that it's uh, that we're capable of of addressing it, and and I think uh, if more if more Christian communities, if more faith communities could uh, could just continue to to dwell on this to make it a number one priority, I mean the transformation that comes out of it is just amazing. And I want to um, build on that, Joel. It happens in our homes. Yep, this is what will transform. Uh, relationships in our homes, in our marriages, um, tough relationships with our kids. Um, a lot of times, you know, kids, they think that their parents never do anything wrong, but actually one of the best things as a parent, and I think I've learned is to be humbled and go to your child and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And just like you said, be specific and why you're wrong and to allow that person and that child to see you model what it means to ask for forgiveness. Because when um, you do it in a way that um, is in the home and in the closest relationships that we all have, we know that it's pretty vulnerable, it's pretty ugly, and, and those people don't always see our best selves. Yeah. And this can, this can, when you transform homes, you transform communities. Absolutely. And then you transform yeah. the world. And I just, I just say, this is um, what we read through and what I know that um, I'm going to take it and take this paper and uh, laminate it, maybe keep it in the drawer betri- beside the dinner table. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and now for our nightly forgiveness reading. <laughs> yeah. In my case, I'd have to like up the decibel level. Uh, let's, we're all going to talk about forgiveness tonight. Uh, what have you done today just, to hurt your brother? Someone listen to me. Um, oh, so good, so good, uh, David. We would the one thing we don't want to miss before we kind of end uh, our conversation here today is for you just to talk to us about Michiana Biblical Counseling Center, the services you guys provide, kind of your mission and vision for your organization, and then uh, how people can connect with you as well. All right. Well, Michiana Biblical Counseling Center started about six years ago, actually started 13 years ago as a ministry of First Baptist, but as an independent counseling ministry serving this community six years ago. And our threefold mission was to provide quality, affordable biblical counseling to the Michiana community, to provide quality, uh, affordable biblical counseling training to the community, and to come alongside area pastors like Pastor Chris um, and support him because we believe firmly that pastors in this area, they're in the trenches, they're on the front lines fighting the battle of discipleship each and every day, and any way we can come alongside them, we want to do that. 
And so we offer ourselves to the community and to churches who would desire to utilize our services. We do a lot of counseling, whether it be marriage counseling, forgiveness counseling, <laughs> uh, grief counseling, addictions, anger. Basically, as I said to Angie yesterday, if the Bible talks about it, we address it. And the Bible speaks to all matters of life. In fact, um, it says in Second Peter three, Second Peter one three, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. So God's word equips us to be able to help people. And so, whatever the issue is, we're here in Osceola, ready to meet with you. And the best place to go to find out more about us is michianabcc.org. On there, there's a contact form. And through that contact form, you can contact us and request a counseling packet. Say, I'm interested in counseling. Can you send me information? And we will respond to our counseling directors quick about that. And we get you in as soon as we can possibly meet with you. Wonderful. I just want to say thank you. I'll I'll just be very upfront. Uh, Michiana Biblical Counseling Center is a partner of Walk EMC. That is something that we value. We have valued this partnership. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are a part of Walk EMC, we want you to know we have a partnership available uh, to provide some counseling at uh, MBCC. But also if you're not a part of our church and you're listening, I I would encourage churches to consider a partnership with this because good, solid, biblical Biblical, hear me, biblical counseling <laughs> is not often easy to come by, and we found a strong partner in MBCC. And so if you're considering that, uh, I would encourage you, if you're not a part of our church, tell your pastor about it. I think they'll find great help in MBCC. There's my, there's my plug. Nicely done, Chris. Nicely Thank you. Done. Can we get a radio spot for that? Yeah. <laughs> I need, I need the, the fun music around it, too. Uh David, once again, we appreciate so much you taking the time to just sit down with us and have this conversation on forgiveness. Uh, for those of you that are listening, as always, you can find uh, just a number of the resources that David has covered, uh, links to all the good stuff that he has talked about over uh, on our website. And uh, and we, we here as a team, uh, we'll say it every single week, we're available. We want to come up alongside people that are looking to um, – enter into a journey of forgiveness maybe there maybe there's just been some a long hurt or a long a long issue that has uh just can, keeps on coming up and uh we would love to come alongside of you and uh journey with you together and 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 really just show you Jesus walk walk with you um uh, as as we are are called to as followers of Jesus so uh everybody thanks for uh joining us again for another episode we look forward to seeing you again next week and until then blessings to you thanks so much at Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting wakimc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.